Cinephiles Digest. My name is Matt, and you are listening to episode 51. And on this episode, we are going to be talking about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, as well as the new film from Yorgos Lanthimos, The Favorite. Joining me today, as always, my co-host, Travis. Hello, man. Hola. And Tom. Bonjour. So, before we start diving into these reviews here, uh, let's bullshit a little bit. What, what's going on? We got the holidays coming up. This will be our Christmas episode. Are we doing anything Christmassy? No. Well, <laughs> we might have some Christmas music. I mean, the listeners should know that your mic is currently positioned <laughs> on top of two separate Christmas oh, gifts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Going pretty festive. That are wrapped and have bows ready to go into the tree. Where's your tree, Matt? It's right there. Oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a Charlie Brown tree. For the it looks stars. like n- not the right kind of tree. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to be here for Christmas, so we, we just want to. I don't have a tree up either, so don't feel too bad. You're going to put one up? Probably not. The cats are annoying with them, so. Oh, that's the best, though. No. <laughs> no? Not the best. Oh, I love it. It's pretty fun to watch them, you yeah, know, mess around. You have to deal with it. Do they just mess around with the tree itself, or is it after you put the ornaments up that they freak they out? They like to knock down the ornaments. Yeah. Yeah. Try and climb up in it. Uh-huh. Not having it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would, too, if I was trapped in the <laughs> in yeah. apartment for my entire life. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> uh, real quick, actually, before we start uh, uh, talking this other random nonsense. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, a friend of the podcast, another fellow movie podcast. Uh, this is Highly Unqualified, hosted by Scott and Troy. Uh, it's a podcast where, you know, they discuss movies, television, what they've been watching, you know, similar kind of format to what we do. So I wanted to give them a shout out on the show. Check them out. You can find them on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I don't know if they're on Stitcher or not, but uh wherever you look for podcasts give it a search highly unqualified see if they pop up so anyway quick shout out there right on uh let's dive into it uh christmas is coming up you guys got your shopping done uh get them out so got some stragglers yeah yep not as prepared this year your uh your last favorite relatives no (laughs) chelsea (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no she's done she's done yep did you get her a 20 dollar gift card to chick-fil-a or something <laughs> yeah. just cash took <laughs> it out cash. of the bank account gave it to her <laughs> <laughs> no but you guys sticking around for the holidays 
yeah, we'll probably do mostly her family stuff on Christmas Day, my family stuff on Christmas Eve. Mm. Is that traditional for your family, or is that just how you have to do it when you're, when you're um, going back and forth? Typically, we have always done my family thing on Christmas Eve, and then we usually would do like my parents, you know, Christmas in the morning of Christmas Day, and we usually do that, but... I feel like the last year or so we've just been doing her stuff and then we make other arrangements for my family. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your preference? Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Not yeah. based on family, but what do you uh, prefer? Yeah. Um as a kid, probably Christmas Eve. As a kid? Is that when uh-huh. you open is that, is that when you open your presents? No, but like what the fuck? Well, we would have Christmas with my family and like all of our cousins would be there and we'd all get presents from the aunt and uncles, but now that we're over eighteen, well, been oh, over they didn't eighteen come for Christmas a while. Eve. <laughs> what? They didn't you guys weren't all together Christmas Eve? No, we we were. Yeah, that's what he's saying. That's why he preferred Christmas Eve. We still get together the I same were... but we don't get Christmas oh, we don't get were... presents oh, anymore. Oh, when you were a kid. <laughs> You preferred Christmas Eve. Yes. Now you prefer Christmas Day. Probably, yeah. Interesting. I'm the opposite. Yeah. Well, I, it's always been Christmas Day for me. I mean, Christmas kid. morning was always awesome as a kid. But, yeah, good memories on Christmas Eve. Mm. I just like Christmas Day because you wake up, have your coffee. Yeah. presents. That lounge pretty around dope. in your jammies and watch a Christmas story. Oh, yeah. Eat cookies, you know. Cinnamon rolls. Oh, is that what you guys do? Mm-hmm. Homemade. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? You? My mom. Oh. I don't know if she did them last year, though. Could have been could have been someone else, or it could have been some other sort of pastry that we enjoyed. <laughs> some croissants. Ooh, Christmas yeah. Croissants. Um, almond. <laughs> almond croissant. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've always liked Christmas Day. Christmas Eve is cool, but it's pretty low-key in my family, usually. Mm-hmm. We'll usually go out to dinner, or um, uh, my aunt lives up near where my parents live now so they'll usually host something now but pretty low-key and then we just go home and drink or whatever and watch yeah it. adult watch christmas is pretty pretty right on because you can just drink a lot mm-hmm. that's what you do yeah i had no idea when i was a child that that's what everybody else was doing yeah just getting <laughs> i was like these <clears throat> these cookies smell terrible and my mom would be like those are rum balls they're made with rum <laughs> as she's eating one. <laughs> yeah Past couple of years, I've enjoyed, uh, you know, smoking a joint, mm. having an edible Christmas Eve or something, just melting into the a really couch. a really piney um, leaf mm-hmm. <laughs> strain. Yeah, it's good stuff. Nice. Uh, what have I been up to? Oh, playing video games, mm-hmm. mostly Smash. The new Smash Bros came out a week ago. Probably put twenty five hours into that so far. Who's your go to character? character? My best character is probably Young Link. I enjoy him. Young Link. Mm-hmm. He's been good. I play as Marth a lot, the Fire Emblem guy. Uh, some of the new characters are pretty solid. They got uh, Simon and Richter from uh, Castlevania games. Mm. They're pretty good. They're new. Uh, Inkling from Splatoon. It's pretty good. Mm. Yeah, Did they have all the characters this time around? Every single character has ever appeared in a Smash Bros. game, plus new characters. There's wow. a total of 74 characters. How's uh, how's Holy Solid shit. Snake? I actually haven't played a snake yet. Hmm. I mean, there's 74. Do you characters. play online? You can, but apparently it's broken right now. I haven't really. So how do you, it. how do you, who do you play with then? By yourself? Myself, yeah. Just like against bots or what? Well, no, there's a story mode. Oh, like a single player. Oh, campaign. right, yeah, yeah. But Trey came over on uh, Friday. Trey's never been on the show, but you guys know Trey. 
he might be kind of fun to have on the show. He doesn't know shit about movies, and he has an awful taste oh, in movies. I think, <laughs> I think, I don't know if it still is, but at one point, I think Yes Man was his favorite movie ever. <laughs> Probably just to piss you off. I don't know, dude. <laughs> he yeah. has bad taste. No, Yes movies. Man was like one of my friends in high school. It was his favorite movie for a while too. Everyone has that friend, <laughs> the Yes Man friend. <laughs> they watch um, it and think they're the only person in the world who knows about it. And that it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about it for me. Keeping it pretty low key this time of year, you know, trying to save money for presents and mm-hmm. all that stuff. My birthday's coming up, so mm-hmm. just trying to coast through these last couple weeks. Yeah, I went to Houston. Yeah, yeah, you just got back this past week. Yeah, saw my sister and her family. I uh, went to the space center down there. Tight, pretty cool. Except it was. Do they have a null gravity room? Um, I'm not sure. If they did, I did not participate. What? <laughs> I feel like that should have been your first question. Well, we got there Opportunity to later than we wanted gravity. to. So we did hit quite a few of the exhibits, but we did not hit everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the tour was cool, but a little disappointing because it's an outdoor tour and it was cold and rainy and windy. So on a tram tour, mm-hmm. not so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that Houston was cold and rainy and windy these days. I guess in December, yeah. But it it seems like it flip-flops. Like one week it'll be cold and then the next it'll be like 80 degrees or something. So it's Mm. weird. Global warming, guys. It's weird, yeah. It's happening. Mm. But yeah, and then half the tour was mostly just like, and that building over there is where we do this. Mm -hmm. And that got old after a while. Because they don't actually show you the stuff. They just say like that building over there is where (laughs) this shit happens. (laughs) Number 22, this is where we... (laughs) This is where we store all of our beakers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty cool. And then um, went to a Texans game, which was pretty fun. Did they win? Nope, which was disappointing. Who do they play? The Colts. Uh, well, Colts, the Colts are on tear right now. Yeah, so. they've been pretty hot. They won today, too. They shut out the... Giants? Uh, no. Maybe? Well, maybe? No, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember either. But they won 17 to nothing. I know the score, so I know the opponent. Yeah, it was yeah fun game, cool stadium. The fans aren't as rowdy as Seattle, though. Really? Yeah. Felt like we uh, could have maybe made a difference, but we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, I went to the Alamo Draft House down there. That was pretty rad. What did you see? Burning. Burning, right. It's a Korean film, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I've heard good things. Wait, Alamo Draft House is at a theater? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's a like chain. A chain. Like a prestige chain. Yeah, they got um, the shining carpet out in the lobby. It's pretty rad. Sweet. They, they have like movie memorabilia and stuff at the different. Yeah, and then a ton of like old school posters in the hall. But um, they like pride themselves on like you know everyone watching the movie properly. No cell phones are talking, and then um, they have like a lot of food and drink options too. Yeah, that mantra is bullshit because you don't watch a movie properly. I know, right? While also having fucking like <laughs> servers walking <laughs> up and down the aisles, right. hearing people chat their orders. They try their best, though, is what they say. Yeah. <laughs> so they're okay. So I was going to ask that they're in the theater a lot to catch people who are on their phones. Yeah, they're always being annoying, like popping in to see if people need more stuff, and then also see if people are being disruptive. Mm-hmm. Did any? Did you see anything? It was. There was saw just, a guy got a black no. uh, hood pulled over his head, and he was <laughs> dragged out. We went on <laughs> like a Monday afternoon, so it was just us, and then like 
a guy and his mom, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty low key. Oh, so you got a lot of attention for food service. Yeah, we got some uh, truffle Parmesan popcorn. So mm. That was pretty or bomb. steaks, maybe? No, oh. we just got popcorn and drinks. I got a uh, chocolate coconut stout. That was pretty bomb. Mm. Yeah. Was it Jester King by any chance that made it? I don't know. I could probably look it up on their website, but it was, yeah, I was expecting it to be bitter towards the end, but it was smooth all the way through. So smooth. It was so good. You mean you thought it was made bitter toward the end? Like Some the end stouts of your, are kind of bitter. At the end of your drink or at the end of every drink? Every drink. Okay. <laughs> bitter, huh? Yeah. I like bitter. No. Okay. Sweet. Sweetness. <laughs> Nice. Well, it sounds like you got a solid trip in the uh, the old Lone Star State. Yeah. Did you meet uh, Robert Rodriguez or Richard Linklater, Mike Judge? No celebrities. Didn't run into anybody? No. Oh, I did also go to the Galleria, which so like was... museum or something? It's or? just like a giant mall, but oh. <laughs> it was not that exciting. Is Houston still the most overweight city in America? Probably. Yeah, was it like Wally? Was everybody just like six hundred pounds? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I did have really good authentic barbecue too. Probably the best I've ever had. Wow. Yeah. What uh what kind of barbecue? I mean what 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 did you eat? Yeah, ribs. Uh, or... Yeah, a little bit of brisket. everything. Ribs, brisket, uh what was it? oh, have you ever heard of Boudin? It's like a rice like meat mixture. Is it like a Tex-Mex type thing? Like, uh, I think it's a Southern thing, but I don't know if it's considered Tex-Mex. It sounds Tex-Mex. And they, it's usually it's like traditionally put in like a enchilada. No, like a, so- <laughs> a sausage casing. Really? But yeah, it's like a rice and meat mixture put into that. Okay, I mean, I've seen things like that before, but probably mm-hmm. not in a Southern barbecue form. They had a yeah. barbacoa like one thing. that was pretty bomb. Ooh, <laughs> isn't barbacoa just something that? Uh, Chipotle, came Chipotle up made up? I don't know. It's in a barbecued beef, isn't that what it is? It's pork. Well, beef, th- right? Pork. Is it, wait, no. <laughs> it's pork, isn't it? I isn't don't. Just, I don't know. Isn't it basically just pulled pork? Or maybe it's like shredded beef. I think it might be shredded beef. I think maybe shredded beef. Yeah. Okay. It gosh, is something. Gosh, that I'm they getting made hungry. Up. I haven't eaten yeah. dinner. Yeah. Oh, I did have pork mm. belly too, which Dude, was pork belly is delicious. Way different than um, Cyrus's, but. Very good. That pork belly both were was very good. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Good stuff. Oh, have you ever had a kalashi or heard of those? What? It's a like kalashi? a little meat bun. Well, it's like a little bun, but is it's it like, steamed like or? dim sum? No, it's like just like a really good like it's almost like a pierogi or like a mm-hmm. like just like the best hot pocket you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like really soft dough with some sort of filling in it. Mm-hmm. But man, we went two mornings in a row cuz it was so good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Those are killer. And they're only like $3, so that's awesome. I don't know if they're in Austin, but if they are, you got to find them. I I don't know if I've told this story on the pod before, but the one place that I've been to in Austin for barbecue I don't think it's like the best place, but it's a fun, popular place. It's at a gas station and you go in and you know, the, uh, like plastic, like you'd see them in a cafeteria. It's the plastic cups that hold like 40 forks in them, you know? Oh yeah. Just Matt looks confused, but (laughs) anyway, uh, you just stick your hands in and it's really scary because it feels like your fingers are going to get cut off or something. But then they just have all these jets coming from every direction and just super soak your hand because everybody eats with their hands. Like that's the Mm. expectation. So when you get into line, you super soak your hand, you go up there and you order your meat by the pound and then 
It's pretty so fun. Is it like an alternative for washing your hands, I guess. You just, just like put it like it does it for you. Like it's like one of those Dyson air dryers, but mm-hmm. it's like an air soaker. Exactly. <laughs> With some soap, I presume. Tight. Yeah. Cool. Well, anything else anyone wants to bring up before we uh, tackle this first review here? Um, no. No, you're good. We're good. Mm-mm. Cool. Let's get into it. We're going to do Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse first. So uh, we have a clip. Let's listen. Miles with a blindfold on. Mama always asking, where did I go wrong? Took you long enough. What's up, danger? What's up, danger? I see this, this spark in you. It's, it's amazing. Whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. Our family doesn't run from things. You're the best of all of us, Miles. You're on your way. When do I know I'm Spider-Man? You won't. All right, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is an animated Spider-Man film, not associated with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's in association with Marvel, uh, produced by Sony Animation Studios. Uh, the plot synopsis reads, Miles Morales becomes the Spider-Man of his reality and crosses paths with his counterparts from other dimensions to stop a threat to all reality. Voice cast on this one features Shamik Moore as Miles Morales, Jake Johnson, Haley Steinfeld, Mahershala Ali, Brian Tyree Henry, John Mulaney, Kumiko Glenn. You know, pretty solid oh, yeah. voice cast on this one. Uh, there's been a lot of hype for this. It's getting really good reviews. Uh, the trailers looked awesome. It's got a really distinct visual style. Um, yeah, what would you call that? I don't know. There's almost like a like a stutter effect to it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like it's skipping frames. It almost looks cell shaded in a way. Yeah. But then it also of. looks like a just like a drawn like comic book. Yeah. And then it also has <clears throat> like three D animation too. It and it also it was like did you notice when it was like out of focus sometimes? Yeah. That was weird. It was, but... was kind of neat though. Yeah. You don't see that done in anime <laughs> films. Yeah. Um we should say, I don't know if I said this on the top of the show, but Tom didn't <clears throat> see this one. Um, so this one will just be me and Travis. Isn't it PG? Mm, I think it's PG 13. I have it pulled up here. Where does IMDb put their, uh, Oh no, it's PG. Yeah. It's PG. Huge turn off. What? <laughs> so even with the PG rating, uh, it's got a lot of humor, not, not a ton, not as much as you would get from like a, a Marvel cinematic universe movie. That's like trying to lean into the humor. Yeah. But some pretty funny moments. Um, I want to go back to something that you had just said about it looking like a comic book. I don't think I've ever seen a superhero movie that really stays as true to that medium, like comic book. Like yeah. they have literal comic book panels. There's voice bubbles. Spider-Man will fall off a building and then he'll say, ah, and then the ah just like follows his body as it falls down the side of the building, you know? Really cool visual touches that kind of mirror comic book medium, which yeah. I thought was pretty neat. Um, it looks gorgeous. Lots of really eye-popping sequences, like lots of action sequences. It's busy. <laughs> there is a lot going on, yeah. Some of the action sequences, I feel like, were maybe a little too busy, but for the most part, I thought the, the whole visual style of it was cool. I never found it too hectic. Like, it's not like uh, some <clears throat> of the 
more recent Transformers movies where it's just like blurry and it's just a big mass of moving robot parts. You yeah. Know? I always found that the action was really easy to follow. Like even though it was chaotic, yeah. you could still see what was happening, you know? Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Um, and just uh, as far as like the story itself, it's just a really fun kind of meta take on Spider-Man. So essentially uh miles morales is the main character so he is in the comic books there's more than one spider-man so miles morales is is black and hispanic uh peter parker the spider-man that most people know is also in this um but essentially kingpin the villain creates this like super collider thing that can open up other universes so he turns on this device and it opens up uh access to like merging reality yeah, so like i think other there's dimensions five dimensions that open up and then the other other spider people from other universes come into miles morales's universe so you have uh miles morales you have peter parker who's og spider-man you have uh spider-man noir which is a it's a comic series but it's like a black and white he's like a, a hard detective Voiced by Nicolas Cage in this movie. Awesome. I didn't I didn't mention him at the top, but then what the Amazing Spider Man, right? Wasn't it because there was like two normal Spider Mans. Yeah, I mean without getting into spoilers, yes, there yes. were two two Peter Parkers. Um, Peter B. Parker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's also Spider Woman, who's Gwen Stacy. Uh, there no are, such thing. No. Gwanda. Women can't be <laughs> Spider Man. <laughs> she was really cool. Uh, I liked her character a lot, yeah. and then there was the futuristic Penny one. Parker. I don't know what the name of her Spider-Man was, but she like she's like an anime girl. So from it's, the future, the animation style for her parts are different. It's super anime. It's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. She's from the future, like thirty-one ninety or something. Yeah, and she controls like a mech suit, and it's a Spider-Man mech suit. Um, and then there's uh, Spider-Ham. The pig. He's a he's an animated <laughs> spider pig, pig. Spider pig. Yeah, uh, that's hilarious. And uh, he's voiced by John Mulaney. Yes, he was underutilized though. I'm on board with that idea. It was really really fun. There's some meta humor. There's also a lot of heart to this movie, which I wasn't yeah. really expecting. It didn't like make me cry or anything. Not that it's not hard to make me cry. Everyone knows that, <laughs> but lots of heart in this movie. Uh, some pretty touching moments. Even the villain, like towards the end of the movie, you do start to empathize with him a little bit. Yeah. Um, really cool visual touch for Kingpin. Uh, Kingpin, though. So Kingpin, he's like a, he looks like a mobster, but the way he's animated, he's enormous. Like his chest is so big that it's actually above his head. So his head's like here. And then he has this huge yeah, body that goes above. Shoulders. Okay. <laughs> he's massive. He's pretty funny to look at. I thought that was cool. Um, he was then, voiced by Liev Shriver, right? Yes. Which is perfect. Yes. <laughs> he was awesome. Uh, there's a cool spin on Dr. Octopus, Doc Ock, uh, played by a woman, oh, yeah. Octavia something. She looked cool. Yeah. Like her Spencer. When she became... Octavia Doc Spencer. Ock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the Scorpion is one of the villains. Green Goblin. There's really cool. Like, as a Spider-Man fan, uh, this movie was super fun. Super fun to watch. Yeah. I, I loved it. I was... Very surprised by it. Not that I thought it was going to be bad, but yeah, start to finish. I didn't feel that there were any lulls. There wasn't really any stupid plot stuff. No wasted time. Like huge fan. It's a it's a solid superhero movie, but it it still is a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you know, it's... And I feel like I'm just going to have to accept that from this point forward. <laughs> it's yeah. a little... It's kind of a Should bummer. Should have accepted a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fact that this movie had to come out during peak, like, superhero, in, like, influx, there's just so much right now. And yeah. it's... This movie isn't generic by any means, but when you actually, like, deconstruct the plot... It does follow those those tropes, you know what I mean? But I do like the progression of Miles Morales' character because he becomes Spider-Man at the beginning of the movie. And the whole thing takes place over... Like, once the um, Super Collider thing happens and the dimensions open up, the whole movie takes place in 24 hours, I think. So he hasn't learned his powers yet. He has no confidence. So you get to see, like... His progression, the other heroes doubting his capabilities. Like mm. it was a nice, neat. Ultimately, it does what you expect, but it was a neat progression the way they handled it. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think the the coolest part about it is just the story itself and how it was constructed. Like it's just super clever for them to like comment on how there's all these other different universes, but put them all in one and actually make a cohesive story out of it. Yeah, because you don't really, like, there's the the idea of a comic book universe has been around for a long time, but there hasn't really been a movie where separate universes converge, you know? Uh, yeah. The Avengers is one thing. Those all exist in the same universe, and all the characters are just put in the same place. This is literally characters who are living in different time periods, alternate versions of history, you know? So it was really cool the way that they played off of that stuff. Yeah, really and, fun. Yeah, the self awareness is pretty awesome. I don't think they overdo it because I feel like Lego Batman is a movie that is just not the self awareness that I'm a fan of. Yeah, Lego Batman went all in on the meta humor. Yeah, <laughs> this one was more subtle. Yeah, uh, like the way they do exposition and backstory for characters, it's pretty much just like a joke. But like, I'm glad because it doesn't waste any time, you know. And it's, mm -hmm. they make a joke out of it. So, well, it's self-aware too because as these <clears throat> new Spider-Mans come in, they do like origin stories, but it takes 30 seconds. Like they yeah. started off, they're like, "You probably already know this," but anyway, and then they just do like a really quick <laughs> All right, recap. One more time, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. They literally say, "Okay, one more time," and then they do the origin story. Um, and it's not even all related to there's like meta humor outside of superhero stuff like this isn't really a spoiler it's a really small moment but towards the end uh, Spider-Ham Spider-Pig I don't know officially what he's called I think he's Spider-Ham but yeah Spider-Ham uh, <laughs> there's a moment where uh, he looks kind of like Porky Pig and there's a moment where he says that's all folks and yeah. he like walks off <laughs> and then one of the other characters says like can he legally even say that <laughs> stuff like that yeah it's really fun lot really good humor humor and heart in spades i'm assuming this movie's doing pretty well i don't know um my theater was not even half full but it was mm. like the first showing on a saturday what time did you see well, you did like go to a 21 up theater that's true because yeah. the showing i went to was probably around the same time as yours and it was pretty full, but it was like families and children and stuff. So. Yeah, I've, I've been seeing a fair amount of marketing for it. So I think if the word gets out, I think this is one of those movies that will have a really strong second weekend, too, as more and more yeah. people see it. You know, I don't think it's going to. I think a sequel did get greenlit already, though. Uh, well, that makes sense. I mean, they allude to some stuff towards the end, um, especially in a stinger. Oh, and there there was actually a Stan Lee cameo in this. Really? Yeah. It was, oh, yeah, that was cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the better Stan Lee cameos. And there's also a, like a touching tribute to him at the end, like during the end credits. Mm -hmm. um, that was cool. Yeah. 
um the world and city just looked really cool though it almost made me think we need like a blade runner anime series or something that's style you could like do some this. cool stuff yeah <laughs> Um, I also, I mean, we don't live in Brooklyn, but I have seen some reviews and read some tweets that people who like live in Brooklyn really like, apparently this movie really embraces like the history, not the history, but Brooklyn's identity. You know, Miles Morales is a Brooklyn native and his family are, and some of the characters talk like they're from Brooklyn, you know, there's a Brooklyn attitude. Uh, It was true to that aspect of, you know, the setting. How about that banging soundtrack? Soundtrack was also rad. I don't. I didn't really recognize many of the songs, but Vince Staples is on the soundtrack. Yeah, I knew that. I don't know. His song is towards the end, if I remember correctly. It's towards the end of the soundtrack too. Is so, it? I mean, okay, probably makes sense. Yeah, his his but... track is a banger. Um, yeah, just a really cool hip hop soundtrack. Yeah, they uh-huh. had some old school hip hop too in the movie. It's not on like the official soundtrack, but mm-hmm. within the film. Forget yeah. exactly what was in there. I, yeah, it's a very well known hip hop song, but I can't. It's like nineties G funk, I think. It wasn't it wasn't Dr. Dre, but it was, was... It, wasn't it notorious B. I. G. Maybe or was it hypnotized me? No, no I would have if it was that. It might have been a different <laughs> it might have been a different biggie song. I don't know. Um yeah, music was killer. Yeah. I really don't have any bad things to say about the movie. I don't know if it necessarily reached the same heights as some of the other movies that have come out this year, but Yeah. I really can't point to anything and say that like I had issue with it. Super solid, start to finish. Yeah, and I think it handled like w- having so many characters in it. I didn't feel like none of them. Oh, I mean, I would have wanted maybe more of the pig, more like funny <laughs> moments with him. Yeah, but beyond I, that, <laughs> I knew Spider Ham was in it, but I didn't know John Mulaney did the voice. So as soon as he talked, I was like, "Oh fuck, yeah, this is gonna be hilarious." <laughs> um, but they really didn't do too much with him, and even when they did, he really wasn't that funny. Like yeah. he didn't have. I th- I thought he was gonna be hilarious. Mm-hmm. He was fine. He had a couple moments. They are really jungle, but... just like side characters, though. The main story is all about Morales. The, well, there's three main characters. I mean, there's Miles, there's Peter, and then uh, Gwen Stacy, the Spider Woman. She's yeah. of the of the minor other Spider people. She's the one that they spend the most time with. But that was cool. Um, yeah, I don't have much else to say about it. Oh, I do want to mention you had brought up Lego Batman earlier. Phil Lord was a, a, one of the screenwriters on this. Lord and Miller. Um, you could see his. Did they his produce touches. it or no? Yeah, they also their production company produced it. Oh, okay. Um, so you could see his if that is kind of meta but very clever sharp humor yeah. from the Lego movie is is in this. I think I still prefer the Lego movie though. The Lego movie is pretty pretty killer. Yeah, it's awesome. Have you guys seen the trailer <laughs> for Lego Movie Two yet? Yes, it looks awesome. Isn't it like apocalyptic? It's like Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or at least the movie starts and then he goes to space. Are they producing that one too? I'm assuming. I think so. I don't know. Uh, they're not directing this time. I don't know if they did the screenplay. They're or not, too good to direct these days. They moved. Well, they got fired from Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so we'll see. But Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, awesome movie. Pretty rad. All right. That's all I wanted to mention. Anything else from you, Travis? Nope. I think we're good. Cool. Short and sweet. Let's do star ratings. I think I'm going to go four. A four? Not even a four and a half? No, it's going to get the downgrade just because it's a superhero. Because it's superhero <laughs> and animated. <laughs> You're trash, no, not because it's animated. I like the animation. It's just the story just didn't feel fresh. I mean, beyond the whole like different dimensions, the whole arc is pretty similar to most superhero movies so, sure of the plot but i mean you said it yourself you're not a plot guy you gave widows no, five know. stars 
Yeah. That movie's all plot. <laughs> <laughs> and it suffers for it. No. Um Okay, it's it's five. Five out of five for five me. Five banger. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can really say it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. Like, I think it's still Homecoming just because it, that's a more traditional spider It's Peter Parker. There's no cross-universe stuff. So, this, like, when we're talking traditional Spider-Man. Yeah, dude. Settle down. Homecoming. I think I would have needed, favorite. like, one really cool action sequence to set it over the top. all of the action sequences were. They were cool, but killer. I feel like none of them were really that memorable. The last one in the collider room or whatever, when the machine is going off, all the crazy colors and all yeah. the objects flying through the air. I thought that was pretty creative. And I do want to see this in 3D or Dolby. Yeah, like a premium <laughs> format. Dolby, dude. dude. <laughs> Good shit. Okay, well, that'll be it for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We're going to move on to the favorites. Uh, Let's listen to another clip. I'm ready for the Russian ambassador. Who did your makeup? We went for something dramatic. Do you like it? You look like a badger. Oh. Are you going to cry? Really? Well, what do you think you look like? Badger. Do you really think you can meet the Russian delegation looking like that? No. I will manage it. Go back to your rooms. Thank you. All right. The favorite latest film from director Yorgos Lanthimos, who uh, wrote and directed Killing the Sacred Deer, The Lobster, Dogtooth, uh, he did not write this film, so this is the first time he did not write a th- screenplay. That so, yeah, written by Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. I did think it was interesting that a Greek director who's only made two other films in English was now tackling like, like a Victorian, antiquated Victorian English language. He's making his mark. Yeah. Uh, the film stars Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, Rachel Weiss. Um, I mean, that's really all that matters, those three. Um, where do you guys want to start? Do you want to do general impressions? Do you want to start with those three? What do you guys want to do? Mm, general impressions. General impressions. Tom, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I'm trying to look through to see if there are any other like good comedies or funny movies that I saw this year. but Game night. Um, but I mean it might be the funniest movie of the year that I've seen Um, I just love everything this dude does everything he touches turns to gold he has he's just a genius about his sense of humor and the way that he blends like uncomfortable scenarios or uh, just the way he turns the bizarre into the relatable kind of like you feel empath- empathy for each of the main characters in this movie at least one or two parts yeah where maybe you never saw that coming yeah because you also yeah. at other points can't stand right. them. Like- or there's a character who uh you will feel empathetic for immediately but then later you will have other feelings for that character as yeah. well so i just love how he can take such a strange premise and a strange way of uh presenting the story and all the characters and yet it brings you know 
the most human characteristics out. Well, yeah. so, I mean, you, you can see that stuff in the trailer. Like, there's a weird yeah. sense of humor, just kind of off-kilter yeah. ways that a lot the of music. dialogue is delivered. But, I mean, you look at the setting. I didn't read the plot synopsis, but listen to this plot synopsis. In early 18th century England, a frail Queen Anne occupies the throne, and her close friend Lady Sarah governs the country in her stead. When a new servant, Abigail, arrives, her charm endears her to Sarah. That sounds like the most boring fucking movie mm-hmm. ever. It sounds like a generic period piece, like courtroom drama. Uh, but it's totally not that. I mean, yeah. it, that is, it is that. It's not not in a generic sense. But the movie's very vulgar. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I, I expected that coming from Yorgos. But seeing these women say fuck and like very sexually yeah. explicit things with the setting that it's in was very jarring but also like elevated the material like it made you feel like it's not historical fiction this is something completely of its own you know what i mean yeah Um, i think the um the having the three female characters in the forefront too also kind of uh was, was novel for what you would normally see in a period piece Yo, totally. And not only that, but there are men in this film, but most of the time they're just getting shit on by the women. They're great. Yeah. I love the men in this movie. They're they're such good characters. Yeah. Nicholas Holt, uh, his character I thought was pretty good. Yeah. He had some fun scenes. Um, He kind of plays, there's two factions in the the house. The Whigs and the Tories. The high court. Yeah. So his uh party is not uh in favor i guess so he's kind of scheming and politicking to try and reverse the tide so he's trying to use emma stone's character abigail as like a um a a mole basically Mm -hmm. um but every character in this movie is only looking out for themselves you know what i mean like that kind of that's kind of what the theme turns into yeah it's everyone every woman for herself uh very cutthroat behavior kind of unfolds as the movie progresses but going back to the top, what Tom said, like it's pretty fucking funny. There are a lot of moments that make I me was laugh cracking up really this hard. Whole thing. Yeah, I I thought it was funny, but it was more just like in the sense of like a Wes Anderson movie where I wasn't like laughing out loud. But I thought there were a lot of like clever, funny moments mm-hmm. that like maybe generate a chuckle. But I wasn't like dying laughing at any parts. I- yeah, I can, and part I can see of that. that might be just because I feel like a lot of the humor, like the best parts, were in the trailer i don't know there were a lot of great moments just uh like the dance scene fucking hilarious out of context oh, yeah. in the trailer you're like oh well, that's, that's interesting visually but in the movie uh-huh. it was hilarious um, it was amazing <laughs> so funny the I, there was just so much i don't want to spoil anything but the fucking duck race at the beginning yes the a duck being named horatio just the whole thing just killed me the scene with Nicholas Holt and the duck and the guy's like <laughs> stroking it on his lap. <laughs> oh, dur- I think it was during that scene where there's like a very serious conversation happening and then you yeah, just hear the duck the quack mar- in the yeah. background. <laughs> After he had already gotten pissed off about it earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I God. think the timing of this movie is, is one of its strongest. I mean, the dialogue is great too. The writing is great. The plot really moves. But um, the timing is so superb when the music comes in when it doesn't come in you know and it's always this like you know Mm -hmm. with harpsichord and shit it's always so like lighthearted and and fluffy and ridiculous 
Um, Travis, you haven't really talked a ton yet. What are what are, general impressions? So I saw this twice. First time I saw it, I was slightly disappointed by it. With that said, I still liked it a lot. I just was hoping this to be one of the best of the year. And walking out of the theater, I didn't feel that way. But I think that was my own fault because I was just either in the wrong headspace or just like too tired from my trip or something because I saw it right after I got home. But the second time I saw it, I loved it. Like everything clicked. I was like glued to the screen. And before, like the first year, and I, I wasn't, I kind of lost me like the last half hour. But like, yeah, I just think this movie is just meticulously crafted and it looks amazing. The performances are amazing. Um, watching all three women like strive for power and like, them just scheming and mm. like all of Emma Stone's character and her being so manipulative and like you just watch that grow and get worse over the course of the movie and I think the ending is just like perfect like it's one of the best endings of the year especially like the last like final moment with all the images colliding but just like when you see the turn without spoiling anything when you see well, yeah, I feel like I'm getting into spoilers. I do <laughs> I do think we should do like a brief spoiler yeah. section on this one. I don't think there's really a ton to talk about, although maybe the conversation, I think. The material is deep. I just don't have a ton uh, of moments I want to point out, but we'll see what happens. But we'll, we'll come back to that. Part yeah. Later. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was the last, awesome. The last act, you know, when you said you sort of lost you in the last half hour, I could see how, like, that's understandable. I also didn't think that the last... Half hour was necessarily as enjoyable, but it's crucial for the it's, payoff. Yes, it's yeah. crucial. But yeah, the second time I thought the last act was awesome and just really tied everything together. Yeah, because yeah, I do want to talk about specific spoiler moments. Yeah, because there are a lot of good ones and a lot that kind of say a lot about what the movie is trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's save the performances for last. I wanted to talk <sighs> about. Uh, the way the movie is constructed visually for a lot of it yeah. it's pretty pretty normal looking but he also uses lots of like wide angle shots yeah of fish, fish eye, eye yeah that are really jarring because so the camera will be like in the corner of a room mm-hmm. and the ceilings are so high like the characters are just standing at the bottom of the screen um, it really messes with your death perception because they're on this, they're in this huge palace. So yeah. Sometimes it feels claustrophobic. Sometimes mm-hmm. it feels enormous, and I think that was done intentionally. Yeah. Well, what I took away from that was it was like the first time you see it, I think, is in the kitchen, like when she gets her when position. When she first gets her assignment. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, why why fisheye? You know, but the first thing you, makes you think of is a security camera, and, and I just assume. It just sort of adds to that element of gossip and, and palace intrigue because it makes you feel like an observer, someone who is in the vicinity, not directly involved, but fly you see things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fly on the wall, which is what you are throughout the whole movie. But I mean, that's what I took away from it. I really liked it after I thought about it. I mean, it's not the most beautiful shot, but it makes you think about the what you're watching a little bit differently. Yeah, there might like there might not be any specific shot that I can look at and be like, oh my God, that was gorgeous, but memorable for sure. There's a lot yes, of moments yeah. in this film that are just like so strange. And like also the way that the film is edited, it'll go from this like wide angle fisheye shot 
to a close-up of one of the characters and that juxtaposition is very like the, Mm -hmm. the transition is jarring but effective yeah i thought the cinematography was awesome like all the natural lighting and like those like candlelit dark hallways Mm -hmm. that stuff was cool and like the it's the scene the first scene where emma stone's character goes out to get the herbs (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) uh and it's like right before it gets completely dark and everything's got like a blue shade to it you know what i'm talking about Yeah. yeah yeah And then it's like she goes out there a couple of times and it's just like gorgeous trees. And the setting mm-hmm. is amazing. The costumes were fantastic. Yeah, this movie's probably going to get nominated for like oh, for every sure. category. Music yeah. and <laughs> costumes, 100%. I don't see how like Shape of Water wins and this doesn't yeah. win. For, but I feel like I, costumes, it's a lock. Yeah. Makeup, probably a lock. Well, I don't know. Mary Poppins is still. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. But just, I, I don't know. I mean, I've already sort of said it, but the pageantry of the whole thing just really adds to it it you you normally see pageantry in film or in real life as something that's grand or like you know remarkable or whatever but in this movie it just is so absurd and ridiculous and it's like awkward silence type pageantry like when they have to take like when they load up in the carriage and then the horses have to trot in a big circle <laughs> in the courtyard out. to get into a straight line to get out. And they're all decked out with these feather plumes and stuff. And you're like, but something stupid just happened, yeah. you know, and everybody has to watch <laughs> watch the queen leave or whatever. And they're yeah. like, Jesus, what the fuck was that? You know, well, it's also you get an interesting aspect of that era that was a very real part of living in those times, but you don't really see in movies. And that's that you have all of this incredible excess, but they spend a lot of time talking about how fucking broke they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like they got to ra- double the taxes on the, the goat farmers or whatever the fuck, and they're worried yeah. about revolt. And it's just like the a lot of it, a lot of the side characters are there as part of the politics, basically saying, like, you know, we have this, there's this war happening. That's all kind of tertiary, like the war stuff. It's always present, but it's not really the main focus. But you have, like, these battles that are being waged, and they're having these serious conversations, and Olivia Coleman, the queen, will, like, you know, purposely faint during some of those intense moments. She will just, like, <laughs> shy people away, you know? It's just, like, the, the absurdity uh, of that stuff is, is yeah. awesome. I did also like how there was war in the background and in like the forefront of the movie as well, like the two leads. But you don't see any of it. Did you yeah. guys Google afterward? I was Sarah and I had to Google all of this stuff. The Queen, oh, like all the, that was real. Yeah. The characters are all real. Mm-hmm. But the it's, war, it's a loose story though. Like sort of the historical figures may be real, but I don't. I don't know how much of it. Well, historically accurate. I mean, I'm going to spoil it, but like the stuff that happens between certain characters, that has some basis in history. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I was just really interested because I couldn't think of what war that would have been. And I couldn't think of like what queen that would have been. Um, it, it just, when I was watching it, I thought for sure that it was just sort of like a realistic setting, but a fake queen and fake background war. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff was killer. Um, let's let's talk about the three lead performances. I mean, do what do we call it? Do we call them lead performances? Like, there's not really. I guess if you had to peg a main character, I would probably say it's Emma Stone. Yeah, but yeah. Well, Golden Globes are saying it's Olivia Coleman, which is fair. Mm-hmm. She's my favorite. 
Yeah. She has the funniest moments. I think she has the best performance. Her character is the most interesting, too. Yeah. Yeah. She also has the showiest performance. Yeah. Her performance was really good. I was really impressed. That's why I had, I was a little disappointed the first time I saw it because I wasn't really like sympathizing with her character throughout. And Mm -hmm. then the end kind of made me like think the movie didn't earn the ending. Mm-hmm. But then going back, seeing it a second time, like there's a lot of time spent on her character and how she feels. And like, there's not many close-ups in this movie, but the close-ups of her tell a lot, especially towards the end of the movie when like yeah. her, her health is kind of deteriorating. She does some really incredible physical acting where like she has one eye that's like half open. Yeah. And her but face is like half paralyzed. My favorite shot in the entire movie is, is at the end. Like I want to get into it in spoilers because it's just like masterful the way the whole thing is framed and also just like the not metaphorical, just like the, the implications outside of the plot of what the way her face is framed like what that means in the context of the story i thought was like incredible um we'll, we'll come back to that when we do spoilers but um olivia coleman was great mm-hmm. emma stone was fantastic rachel weiss was fantastic yeah i mean i guess rachel weiss is one of my favorite actresses ever i think she's probably my least favorite that's they're all three of them are incredible but i think it's honestly probably because she just it's the more the most subdued of the three. She's within a single range, pretty much throughout the whole thing. Yeah, well, she's supposed to be the one who's even keel. Like she's kind of the puppet who's controlling, or not the puppet. She's the puppeteer, you know, controlling the string. She's the one actually yeah. running the the empire or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she's for the most of the movie very even keel. Um, so maybe not the most fun to watch of the three, but very impressive. And yeah. I did, I did love the other it. two have bigger performances and just, they have better moments to shine. Like they're just given better material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I did love all the caddy stuff in this movie, like the, ex- <laughs> yeah. like the interaction because they're all civil, <laughs> but they're very like mm-hmm. some of the stuff they say is like really like, cutting and mean, you know, like this is basically uh mean girls in the in the 1700s you know what i mean right uh i loved all that stuff yeah is olivia coleman <laughs> taking home best actress if she, she gets should. nominated <laughs> if uh, they plug her instead of best supporting actress best actress for so what, my money aside from don't Nicole, say lady gaga what no i wasn't <laughs> going to uh nominee though for sure yeah, yeah. she will be nominated she was good no, she's Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah, but she's not yeah. Olivia Coleman. No, she's not Olivia Coleman. Uh, for my money, depending on what happens with this Nicole Kidman movie, uh, mm. it would be her, or um, it'd probably be her, and then uh, what's her name? Tony Collette. Tony Collette, oh, somewhere, yeah. somewhere behind her. Tony Collette is still probably my favorite, but she's kind of fading. Like these awards are happening. I know it's she's, too far. She's not getting a ton too of long ago. Yeah. It, well, it's also it's a horror film. Yeah. Like I would, yeah, I would be cool with Tony Collette getting it, but. I'm, I hope she at least gets nominated. Yeah, I think she'll get nominated, but I'm hoping Olivia Coleman wins. As long as Lady Gaga doesn't win, I will be happy. <laughs> like kudos to her; she was great. But fuck off! I hope, really hope she doesn't win. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else uh, without spoiling anything on the favorite? I want to talk spoilers. Tom, we can go to spoilers. Okay, let's do our star ratings. It's it's five. 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 
hell we yeah. love this guy yeah we really do <laughs> how far did killing with sacred deer get in our bracket last last episode i think i think it got to the top eight i think yeah probably I think so yeah i was having a hard time placing this one in my my yorgos pantheon <laughs> i put it as number three after i saw the movie but after having talked about it so much i feel like i have to rewatch the lobster see i did rewatch the lobster lobster is still number one that movie is start to finish. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, I think I need to see Killing of a Sacred Deer again because yeah. coming out of it, yeah, the favorite was my mm. least favorite. After this conversation and also just kind of thinking and the, the, sitting with the movie, it's pretty close between between those two. I, I would need to see probably both movies again. I Yeah, I just don't know if they – I don't know if the favorite rewards like a deep dive – the way that Killing of a Sacred Deer does, I think it does. I think, it, yeah, I think it could. Having not seen it a second time to really dig into it, on a surface level, sure, it doesn't seem like. I don't feel as like much. I missed anything, but I do want to hear about the scene that you keep if, talking about. I haven't rewatched Killing of a Sacred Deer, but the favorite might be my favorite. Mm. So it went from from last to first. Yeah, shit. Lobster is on the well. Bottom. See, this <laughs> is just <laughs> this is just a uh, a testament to Yorgos that we all have potentially different, different favorites. favorites of his English. I do love Dogtooth as well. I love all of his movies except I really like The Lobster. Don't love it. Um, I will say. <laughs> It kills me every time in The Lobster when Colin Farrell says, I don't want a kiss from you, silly little girl. And he kicks her in the shin. <laughs> kills me every time. It's so fucking hilarious. Um, okay. Well, let's move into spoiler discussion for the favorite. So if you have not yet seen the film, check the show notes. Some of the listeners probably haven't had a chance to see it yet. Because even in Seattle, it's pretty limited. It was only yeah. at the Egyptian here. Apparently, just this weekend opened up to. It's a at like other I think like three or four other theaters around here. It doesn't open wide till Christmas, so hopefully it'll be everywhere come Christmas, both in Seattle and you know everywhere else. Um, so check the show notes if you don't want to be spoiled. Um, so when I was talking to at the end, that final scene is the moment where Emma Stone's character realizes she lost because. Uh, Rachel Weiss makes a comment. She was like, the game isn't yeah. over. Like, I haven't lost. We're playing yeah. very different games. Yes, yeah. we're playing very different games. That's where she realized, <laughs> oh, she, the whole time, maybe not the whole time she wanted to leave, but she got out of there. There's that, The last time we see Rachel Weiss is when they send like the troops to like basically mm-hmm. tell them they have to leave the land. And she was like, you know, maybe we should move to Panama or whatever. I don't remember what she said, but to her husband. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should move somewhere else, you know? So you see her... And then Emma Stone, uh, it's it's perfect because that scene at the very end starts with the rabbits, right? She presses the rabbit underneath mm-hmm. her her shoe, and it's really uncomfortable because it really yeah, she's you like see her the rabbit in. like really mm-hmm. getting pressed down. Its legs splay because it's being pushed so close to the ground. You know, mm-hmm. you hear it yelp, and then she smiles. So it's like a power thing for her. She feels so good about where she's at. Yeah, she and, feels like she's finally made it. She's made it, and then what happens? Olivia Coleman comes into the room. Maybe she wakes up. I can't remember the specifics. She but sees her doing it. Mm-hmm. 
And then she says, I come rub my legs. So she's standing up and she literally uses Emma Stone as basically like a cane. Yeah, as she she's says she's getting dizzy. Leg. So she uses her. And she mm-hmm. just puts her hand, like just hand on her head, pushing down. Mm-hmm. And the way the shot is framed, this is what I was alluding to. It's from below. So it's below Olivia Coleman's face profile. She looks like a monster. Half of her face is paralyzed. Mm-hmm. She's She's like ugly, this grotesque figure, piercing eyes, you know, and she's just like towering over Emma Stone's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, she, Emma Stone, she just like spaces out and she realizes, like, fuck, like, this is my life now. Like, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. My, I'm a servant to this woman who is, can be a very horrible a lot of the time. But she kind of got what she was asking for because. Like, Emma Stone's character gets to where she needs to be. She has a good relationship with the queen, but then she abuses her power. The queen slowly catches on, and then that's, like, kind of, like, the the straw that breaks the camel's back. And then she's like, fuck no, get over here. Yeah. And now Emma Stone's basically going to live a life of torture to an extent. Like, she's going to be her servant and not necessarily, like, the the loving servant relationship that they, they had previously well and she's proven that she can rule i mean towards the end she's more assertive with Mm -hmm. her directions you know what i mean so she's proven that she doesn't need an advisor i think she just let herself get you know she was wallowing essentially and she just let rachel wise's character run the empire yeah Yeah, i think it was more well uh maybe not more but there was a callback to something that she said earlier in the movie because I think we all know what rub my leg means. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when she is first like getting to know the queen, she's pushing her in the wheelchair and she says, I think the hardest thing was the rapes because it makes you feel like you're, you're worthless. And she's, Oh no, you're, you're a beautiful person. But then later on, you know, she's getting the leg rub and she has her hand on her head, which is not only like, a parallel to what she had just done to the rabbit, but it's also, it looks like she's getting a blowjob. Yeah. Kind of. Sexually suggestive. Yeah. So I think that was implying that like this person who told you, you were beautiful, you know, and that like, you shouldn't feel that way is now basically her rapist. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, well, cause, um, never mind. I lost it. Go ahead. Travis. Oh, I, yeah. I just think it all plays in. I feel like, uh, the queen's character also feels like she made the wrong decision. And cause yeah. she had real love with Rachel Weiss, but mm-hmm. um, she like got duped by Emma Stone's character. And she finally realizes that towards the end of the movie. And I really like the scene where Rachel Weiss is outside the queen's room. Mm-hmm. And she's basically t- telling her like, I'm the one who will be honest with you. That's real love. She's a liar. And you're going to figure that out eventually. But the queen's so like, you know, smitten from all this attention she's getting from Emma Stone that she totally just like, is blinded by it yeah but see that's the best part of this movie is that there's no black and there's no black and white because emma stone's character is genuinely or at least i thought she was genuinely empathetic like early in the movie she yeah. didn't really know yeah. what she could get out of this relationship she was just being helpful when she her whole purpose is to make herself in a, a good position because her whole life she's had a, a shitty situation. Well, her whole life. She well, was you, a lady. Yeah, but I mean, as far as... She got, like, sold into slavery, basically, because her dad lost a bet. Yeah, yeah, right. And I really like the scene where she's talking to her husband and um, she's <laughs> she's talking about, like, her morals. And she says mm-hmm. something along the lines of, like, 
I feel like I'm going to the edges of my morality. And then she says something along the lines of like, but the the other side of this is like getting thrown into the streets and getting fucked in the ass or something like yeah. that. And she says <laughs> yeah. basically like morality is thrown out the window at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then also like it's talking like the sexual um, nature of the relationships in the film. You would expect with this setting, uh, maybe this is my own like being naive, but I picture a lot of probably I'm sure this is true. A lot of rape happening of men raping women because men were so powerful. You know that women There's couldn't be in so power. much rape or suggestive raping in this movie. <laughs> yes, but it's all suggestive. What we actually see in the movie is a lot of men being emasculated by these women. Mm. When Emma Stone and that that suitor that she has, who she ends up marrying, basically every situation they're in, he's just she just hum- humiliates. Oh him, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, him chasing her out in the field. And yeah, she needs him scene. in the nuts. Like. Yeah. Yeah, and the queen is the... the um, So she doesn't rape anybody, but she is... She coerces because they know that if they fall out of favor, it's, you know, it's as good as being punished. Yeah. You know, like you have a long way to fall, basically. Yeah. I did love her character, though. Like... You can really empathize with her, though, like with her, like just the life she's lived. And it doesn't really even seem like she likes the position that she's in. No. Queen Anne? Or who are you talking Queen Anne? Queen or, Anne, yeah. Okay. And like she is a lonely person and she doesn't really have much like people who actually like her. Yeah. Besides Rachel Weiss's character. Um, and then just watching how like, like basically her whole life she's been waited on like hand and foot. And that's kind of ruined her along with all the other shit that's happened to her. But like, she's such a child. Like she's mm-hmm. just, she can't, yeah. she she's can't the do worst. anything. She throws tantrums. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many scenes like, like how she gets all excited about dancing with Emma Stone and them like basically having cake and tea together with the rabbits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then her like, like fake pretending that she's going to commit suicide and jump out the mm-hmm. window. And Rachel Weiss is like real with her mm-hmm. about it. She makes some joke like, Hopefully the hedges will break your phone. Yeah. Well, she doesn't say this, but I love that scene because I wanted to bring that up because Yorgos didn't write the screenplay, but a lot of the dark humor that he's known for is in this. She sees, uh, Rachel Weiss sees Queen Anne about to jump and she doesn't say this, but her reaction is basically like, get down, you idiots. Like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, um, which is, that's dark, you know, like this woman is thinking about killing herself and then, yeah. you know, she, yeah, like you said, she's being real with her, but there's also that sharp, dark, biting humor yeah. in this that I, I love. So do you think that, did you think that Rachel Weiss's she had some sort of play in mind or she just was more aware of her own circumstances when she made that comment to Emma Stone? As far as we're playing two very different games? Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. Like, originally, I read that as, like, this was her plan all along. But then I look back at what she had done earlier and also how hard she's fighting against uh, Emma Emma Stone. Seemed like she wrote a sincere letter. Yes. I did Um, like that scene as well. That was good. She's, like, going through multiple drafts. Yeah. (laughs) Starts it out with, like, you gun. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff was really good. Um, just so many moments like that that were just hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. The movie is very cold, I will say. And I, I mean, that makes sense for him given his other work, but both the, the colors, uh, palettes, 
the way that people treat each other. It's very, very cold and calculating. Everyone's looking out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about that scene um, where it's like slow motion and it's the naked man and they're like throwing like fruit oh, yeah. at him? So, so that was a really interesting scene too uh, in terms of like what goes through your head when you see it. You know, like who is this person who's getting fruit thrown at them but liking it kind of? Yeah, it just looks like a game. Like they're just exactly in excess. <laughs> oh, totally. But like, it makes you wonder which of the which of the women is that person. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's always a clown on display. Kind of, it probably is a different person at different times. But oh, it's so over the top. Yeah, that was very very jarring. But I was like, I don't know, really know what's happening here. What I should read into this? Mm-hmm. I still am not totally. I'm sure there's some meaning that we're supposed to put on to i mean you kind of alluded to it but i don't know i think i need to see it again to really in context know what he's doing there with that scene you know i don't remember why i made the association aside from the fact that emma stone is in like she walks into the room i think she does but it also while it's happening it cuts back and forth i think that's what it was just the back and forth after that supposed to associate the two after that scene well it's still within the same scene but after that moment the next part is Nicholas Holt's character and Emma Stone. She's basically asking him for a favor because she doesn't want to ask the queen. Because mm-hmm. that's like her whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's like she can't ask the queen for a favor. Um, but yeah. Hmm. Great movie. I love it. More The more I talk about it, the more satisfied I am with it. I feel like that happens every time with, with Yorgos. Yeah. Yeah. Very rich. Good stuff. All right. Anything else on the favorite? I think we did a pretty good job. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, before we start talking about what we've been watching, a conversation happened last night at a uh, Christmas party. Oh, yeah. Tyler's we talk brother about the was posting. Yeah, I don't think we really need to talk about the party. I mean, you know, there's a gift exchange. Pretty standard. We drank, you know, ate cookies. Had a jolly old time. It was good. Mm. Yeah. Um, but... Travis, I'll let you. I'll, I'll jump in when I need to. But uh, tell us about what you've been doing with slip covers for okay. Blu-rays. Well, there's two offenses <laughs> here that I've committed. Well, for Tom, you know, when we say a slip cover, you know what we're talking about. The, like, I guess so. The cardboard slip that goes that over goes the Blu-ray. over the Blu-ray case. Oh, the blue ones. No, Wait, what? they're just like it's basically. Another version of the cover, but like yeah. a cardboard yeah. like sleeve that goes over. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah okay, go cool, cool. Got it. So, I'm a fan of these things. That one was blue. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but anyways, my at the party, my brother's like, oh, good time's on sale for 12 bucks. I was like, oh, that's probably the cheapest it's been. I should probably buy it. And I told him I already had the slip cover. <laughs> I told him that. I had bought the movie when it first came out just for the slipcover, but I didn't want to keep it because it was full price. So I returned the movie without the slipcover. <laughs> so when I buy it in the future, I have the slipcover for sure. To put onto it. Yeah. That sounds like something a serial killer would do <laughs> in a different format. It also just is bringing your movie obsession to a... A dark place, kind yeah. of like a worry, a worrisome place. But anyway, carry <laughs> We're on. Concerned. What's the other offense you've been committing? Because that's probably horrible. Worse. It's definitely worse. Yeah. The second offense is worse. Not it has. It doesn't have to do so much with the slip cover in in this. But there is a slip cover instance. It's yeah, how much well, time do you spend on slip covers? 
Not much. They're a bonus to me, but for he, a good time, I had to have it. But I didn't want to pay full price for it when it first came out. I don't understand. Do the not full price movies come without a slipcover? Well, it's usually like the first run will get slipcovers. It varies movie to movie, but usually you have a better chance of getting the slipcover if you buy the movie closer to the release date. God, all right. So they're hot commodities. Hey, people sell them on eBay as is. Hmm. Just to let you know. Yeah, I know there's other fucking nerds <laughs> there's a, out there. There's a market. Oh, you're not for the these only things. one. That doesn't mean that it's redeemable. But anyway, so I bought Phantom Thread 4K with the slipcover mm-hmm. from one establishment. <laughs> I went to go watch it the other night and it didn't play. So there was like some sort of scratch on it or something, but the disc was unplayable. So I re- I bought another copy from another place and then returned the bad copy to the second place. And then I kept both slipcovers. <laughs> so you have two slipcovers for Phantom Thread. So if Thread. anyone needs a 4K what? Phantom Thread slipcover. Okay, I'm trying to work out at your <laughs> the math here of why you couldn't return a I, bad copy to the original place. Because Without- it had been too long since I had bought it. And also, it was just more of an inconvenience. <laughs> also, we won't say who it is, but the second party here, you can send anything back to them and they'll just take it. They'll send you free credits. Like Amazing customer service. They put customer service at number one. Walmart. <laughs> you got it. No, not Walmart. But, okay. Yeah. So now you have two slipcovers and you sent a faulty... Uh, 4K back to a seller that did not give you a faulty 4K. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you fucked one seller for your They'll own be personal fine. benefit. Be Why fine. do you have two slipcovers? Just in case, because it was there for the taking. Is that a play on words? What? <laughs> if I buy the Phantom Thread on 4K and it yeah. does not have a slipcover, yeah. and I want that, will you make me pay for no, it? No, why would I do okay. that? <laughs> Honestly, I got it just in case someone else needed it. Just I in do. Case. I do not. In case need someone it. else needed it, yeah. it came from. Kept it for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking out the for best my of intentions. Fellow slipcover enthusiasts. This is so wrong, but so it's unimportant. It's mostly just funny to me. Yeah, it's like it's a lot of effort for a fucking. I know. And the bet the reason why. I was so I thought it was so funny. It's because I hate slipcovers. Yeah, I thought about no, throwing he, them away sometimes. Here's like, the thing: no, no, give them to me. This is why. <laughs> this is why it's so like this is the road you're going down. Is one of these days you have gotten so good at getting slipcovers at this point, you're gonna look at your shelf and you're gonna say, "Shit, sixty percent of my movies have slipcovers." I wouldn't. What say What the that. fuck am I gonna do with the other forty percent? They're slipcoverless. I'm going to have to go out there and like kill people to get their slipcovers because they're not even going to be on eBay because who the fuck cares? You're going to be going door to door throughout your apartment saying you don't happen to own a copy of. Hey, I don't don't know. worry. I have the game night slipcover. Okay. Good. <laughs> We're safe. Uh, so anyway. anyway. Well, that's amazing. Uh, let's move into what we've been watching. Um, I'll go first this time. Travis, you usually go first. But That's fine. I actually watched quite a bit this go-around. Quite. Let's, uh, let's pull up my list here. Uh, what are we working with here? Uh, yeah, Okay, I'll start with the first uh, yeah. earliest in the week. Well, no. Well, okay, well, you said it. So <laughs> um, I watched Minding the Gap. Tom, are you familiar with this? I'm... <clears throat> 
Appar- I'm not. Apparently, Travis had already seen it. I, don't, I talked about it on you, the show. I don't remember. I don't think I said much about how it. How long ago was this? Uh, probably like two months ago, maybe three. Really? Okay. Uh, Mining the Gap is a documentary. It's on Hulu. And it's, I guess, about skateboarding, but not really. So the director... Man, uh, how many skateboarding movies are there going to be this year? Well, know, right? right? Yeah, we, we had that conversation <laughs> too. Um, it's a documentary. The filmmaker uh, has been filming stuff since he was very young. So it has a lot of footage from when he and his friends were kids. But essentially, he's profiling his closest friends. So it's through the lens of skateboarding. But what the movie is really about is like masculinity and just American life. Like it's a really yeah, good like, slice of life, like lower middle America, like Midwest. Like they're in Rockford, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the struggles from going from childhood to adulthood. Yeah. And they also just struggle with like how to be a man. Like there's lots of really interesting and kind of dark things that happen in the movie because it's basically just a story of their lives but the way it's framed you go back and forth on characters you see their journey there's one character in particular who is like very amiable he's funny he's attractive but he does some pretty fucked up things and you hear both sides of the story so you hear uh Without getting into specifics, there's, like, domestic violence involved, right? So you hear his side of the story, and he was like, she just gets so crazy. Like, she just yells, and I just don't get it. You don't ever see him do that. You don't get to see that aspect of him. You see her do that. They uh, play a clip of, like, her screaming and saying she's going to kill him. Uh, But then you get to hear her side of the story, and there's, like, he beats her and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it really makes you picture, or I guess question... Like, when it comes to that kind of stuff, there's people who seem very nice, very kind, but then you hear what they're capable of, but then you still want to like the guy, you know what I mean? Like, that happens probably halfway through the film, and he does still do other things, and he has a very heartfelt, uh, like, speech, I guess, that he gives towards the end of the movie that really makes you question, like, we live in a culture where, like, you do one bad thing and you're vilified and you're banned and it's like you're punished for things. And it's, well, sure. I think that's important that people be held accountable. You still like see this guy and you feel bad for him, but you also understand he's a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like they're real. He's a real human being, a real human being. And the other characters too go through. (laughs) The other character, not character, keep calling them character subjects, I guess, because it's a documentary. Go through some really fucked up stuff, but Mm. uh, I was incredibly moved by it. Um, I was like glued to the screen the whole time. I got so invested Mm. in these kids. Star ratings look pretty good on this movie. Oh yeah, I don't know what you gave it, but I gave it four. Average is average is four point two. Fiver for me. Um, Wait, where did you see this? Hulu. Oh, yeah. okay. It's cool. short too. It's like ninety minutes. Yeah, roughly. All right. Hey, Gotta get that noted. link in there. Hey, I'll add it to my. Um, I'm gonna add it to my watch list. If it was three hours long, you probably wouldn't watch it. So that would be a good one to watch with Sarah. Um, <laughs> I was just gonna ask. Yeah, it's uh, lots of good um, like home video skateboarding footage too. Yeah, yeah. She loves that shit. <laughs> but I mean, I you know I grew up like being around skate culture, so I like that stuff too. But that's not really what what really 
hit it home for me. Yeah, it gets really confrontational and personal too, but it's a totally relatable story. Yeah. Hmm. And it's it's pretty cool how like this kid's just been capturing footage basically his entire life. Like I'm curious to see how this will kind of trend in the future because access to cameras is like so much easier these days so yeah well you also the quality goes up like at the beginning he's using really shitty like digital cameras and then by the end he's conducting interviews with like lights and uh really high quality cameras Mm -hmm. um so you you watch all these kids grow up it's it's pretty interesting highly highly recommended plus it's on hulu so yeah um and then uh the, what i was gonna say before you said mining the gap i watched wonder from last mm. year mm-hmm. uh man that's a real real crowd pleaser um it's not the best you know it's a it's a really solid movie i cry like a baby uh it's really good for what it is and appealing to a wide audience yeah it's basically uh jacob tremblay is the main character he's a kid who has a deformity and he goes to public school for the first time so it's like him going to school and interacting with the kids and it also follows different characters like it'll, you think he's the main character but then there's these little side stories that like emphasize one of his friends at school you know mm-hmm. um Her, his sister has a pretty big part in it too yeah right? she yeah. does it's yeah it's cool how it like it basically shows like how he has to deal with his situation but then how everyone else around him has to deal with it as well Mm -hmm. because she feels uh his older sister feels like ever since he came into the picture she's always just been ignored like all the attention is on him um so then you empathize with her but then she says that to him and he's like jacob tremblay's character is basically like uh no like don't compare your shit to my shit like i know it's hard but it's not nearly as hard as me. You know, like it just mm-hmm. it it does a good job of illuminating different perspectives while also acknowledging that things are harder for other people, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. It was it was good. Like I think I rated it as like a four. Like it made me cry. But it was one of those like, you know, uh inspiring, uh pretty generic, both in the way that it's written and the way it looks. It kind of reminds like a, me of uh, Love Simon, like just the tone and it kind of similar like story structure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Just people dealing with something that not everyone else deals with. I think most people would probably enjoy this movie. You know, would people? Some people love Owen it. Owen Wilson kills it as the dad. Yeah, Owen Wilson's dad. <laughs> Julia Roberts is the mom. Um, it was good. Yeah, I think I watched that on Amazon Prime. I think. Yeah, I seen it on there. That's the movie. Is it that or Love Simon, where the one of the teachers? I think it's Wonder. The teacher is the guy from Blind Spotting. Yes, right? David Diggs. Yeah. Yes, that's that's um, Wonder. He has a good moment in that movie too. He does. Yeah, he's good in it. Okay. It's all. It's totally worth a watch. I'm not gonna blow your mind, but okay. Save it for a good cry. I got a, I got a pretty good cry. Out. <laughs> Um, Travis, how much do you have? Tom doesn't have anything uh, this week. I got nothing, so I'm just you know I'm just here to the old fisheye <clears throat> fly on the wall. That's, That's right. That's right. I'm gonna turn my mic off in about five minutes here. <laughs> uh, let's see. I could start with um, talking to the mic, bud. Sorry. Uh, I saw Anna and the Apocalypse yesterday. What that? What is that? Yeah, it's like a Shaun of the Dead style zombie movie, but it also has a musical aspect to it as well. Nice. It was pretty fun. It's not as good as Shaun of the Dead. It's definitely like 
heavily it feels a lot like Shaun of the dead mm-hmm. and kind of like zombie land as well but the music i did like the music the music reminded me more of like sing street though some people were saying this is like Shaun of the dead meets la la land which i don't get the la la land thing at all because la la land is like grand and like it's like you know like a big production this is pretty low budget so a sing street a better comparison yeah because that sounds rad like i yeah. thought the music in sing street was pretty cool the music's probably better in sing street but i did like the music in this it's it's very like it's a lot of care it's traditional to musicals where it's like characters basically just singing their situation at the current moment yeah but it, yeah it was fun <laughs> I do that every day uh, <laughs> making breakfast some uh some good kills i feel like the first half was better than the second half it Ultimately, it was just kind of generic, other than the music aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like it just felt like another. Who's the like, star in that movie? Zombie comedy. Um, Anna. No. No, really known stars in it. Good. Okay. <laughs> good. That's great. That's, that's great. <laughs> Love it. The, another thing that kind of bothered me slightly about the movie is that I felt like it tried to give every character like a sincere moment, and I don't really oh, feel no. like it earned it. Not all of them, at least. Yeah, I don't need that from every character. Yeah, but yeah. The the main girl, I forget, I don't know her name, but she's super talented. Like she can dance. I don't know if it's her singing, but I'm just gonna say that it's her singing. She sounds <laughs> and, great. <laughs> nowadays, you're a joke if you don't do your own singing and dancing. Like even fucking Pierce Brosnan and Russell Crowe have done their own oh, God. singing. Pierce Brosnan singing in Mamma Mia. <laughs> so bad. Um, but yeah, that's about it for. And an apocalypse. Cool. It's a. I definitely think it's worthy of a uh, Christmas viewing. You know, every couple years. Wait, it's set during Christmas? Yeah. Did, I, did you say that? Did I miss that? I or? didn't hear that. Yeah, oh, I, I just thought that. people knew that. I don't really know much about it. Oh, movie. okay. Yeah, I knew it's, it's set during the title. Christmas. The plot it it gets into the zombie stuff pretty quickly, and the only cue you get is like, oh, there's an outbreak, like on the radio or whatever. So pretty formulaic, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like set during Christmas, and she's at school, and they have like a like a Christmas play that they're doing, but mm-hmm. then it slowly just delves into the zombie stuff. So it, yeah, I would kind of like to see a Christmas play get overrun with zombies. Mm-hmm. Sounds like ripe material. Yeah. Well, if you're going in expecting that, it might be a little disappointing. But. Especially if there's a character who's like in costume and they start to like they start to turn. Do you on see stage. a Santa Claus get devoured by zombies, or do uh, some devouring? No, but there is a zombie Santa Claus. There we okay, go. Okay, so it's a zombie Santa Claus. Okay, that's cool too. But I think it would be funnier <laughs> to see like a a mall Santa just get <laughs> <Yeah>. fucking <laughs> devoured by zombies. No, there's none of that. Bummer. I'm not watching him. Um. Oh, I watched Shirkers on Netflix. It's yeah, you a, were telling uh, me to watch this. It's a Netflix original documentary. It just came out this year. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. It's uh, essentially about this woman who made a movie back when she was like 18 with her friends and like her film teacher at school. And they go on this road trip and they make this road movie uh, and it goes through the whole like retelling of you know the shooting and all that that occurred during the production of the movie. So is it like a behind the scenes mo- like featurette for a movie that never came out? 
But also, I'm sure there's other Kinda, stuff too. There's like, something that kind of makes, you know, gets the story going. Like there's something that happens that kind of sets it off. And there's a mystery. This is her basically chance to like tell her story because essentially the movie doesn't get made, and it's just like kind of like shelved forever. But the the film teacher who she did the movie with basically took all the footage and just left her high and dry. And this guy's like super weird and interesting. And they delve into that, but it, yeah, it's just a super interesting story. And like the movie itself that she made, it was supposed to be called shirkers. It, it actually looked like it could be a good movie. And she's just like obsessed with film too. Like she just grew up liking like alternative things. And she was from Singapore. So like there wasn't really many movies made there. And like, it was pretty sheltered. Like she didn't have a lot of access to stuff. So she like, like even she rigged this thing up to be able to like broadcast blue velvet over like this, like elaborate (laughs) thing. So it was almost like streaming from the U S to Singapore or something crazy like that. But yeah, she, she just was into alternative music and like, you know, indie cult movies and stuff. And then she wanted to make her own movie and so she she tried to, but then, yeah, it just delves into that. And I don't really want to spoil how it all plays out. Only ninety six minutes. Part of the joy. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it was good. It was fascinating hearing the story, and it's pretty cool that Netflix gave her a chance to kind of tell her story and give the best version that she could have given the circumstance of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would uh, highly recommend it. Good stuff. Cool. I'll add to the list. Um, I saw three 2018 releases. I'll knock those all out real quick. Um, at the top, all three of them, I logged as a three and a half out of five. Uh, the first one was Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Uh, I had heard good things about it. I like the Teen Titans cartoon. Like My nephew and my dad are really into it. Um and it was good. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that show, but it's very uh, uh, quick hitting humor. Like, there's just like rapid fire jokes. A lot of them are catered towards kids. Um, so a lot of that stuff wasn't as funny. But a lot of the humor is actually genuinely pretty hilarious. They, uh, uh, the kind of the plot is that the Teen Titans are kind of a joke in the superhero world. So they want their own movie, but the other superheroes are like, fuck you guys like sing and dance and like rap at villains and stuff. Like you guys are a fucking joke. Um, so then it's about like Robin trying to get his own movie. So it like follows this trajectory. Um, but it was, it was pretty good. Uh, Nick Cage does the voice of Superman, which is because he was originally going to be Superman in that, that older version. Um, uh Kristen bell does the voice of the bad like the the villain in it um will arnett is the the main villain so deathstroke they call him a uh, slade that's the other name for the character he's the bad guy but it was fun it's like 85 minutes it looks cool go, it Tom. made me laugh <laughs> it's not gonna <laughs> make me watch this <laughs> but it does play to a younger audience so it's i think everyone can enjoy it but the highs were not that high, you know, because it's it's limited by being like a kids movie. It yeah. is that it's it's a kids movie that adults can also enjoy, but not in the same way that a Pixar movie is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was good. I like the superhero. There's some like meta humor that I thought was funny, just as like a DC fan. 
If you were eight years old, though, best movie ever. Oh, yeah. I would have loved this shit when I was younger. <laughs> um, I watched that. I watched Tag, which I was pleasantly surprised by. I don't know what you rated it back when you saw it. I think a two. A two? Ha. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. It's um, Hannibal Burris every time he's on screen cracking me up he was the best part um, was great. jake johnson was funny john ham was funny pretty much everyone was funny except for jeremy renner mm. and i just don't like that guy very much to begin with his what? his whole character sucked in yeah that movie. he was lame but i mean if people don't know what tag is it's based on a true story it's these friends who have been playing tag for 30 years during the month of may every year and Jeremy it's, Renner's character has never been tagged. So the movie is about them finally deciding this is the year we're going to tag him. You know? And he's like the goat of tag. It's fucking nuts how good he has, is a tag. It's kind of annoying. It's pretty stupid. Are you impressed by his skill? No. Well, because it's <laughs> Wait, so stupid. I'm confused if you guys are talking about the real person or not. No, in the movie, I'm sure, like, in real life, he was never tagged. There's no way he's, like, as good as he is in this movie. Right. Because it's a movie. Like, they're playing, like, just some crazy They do, like, the Sherlock Holmes thing, where it goes to slow-mo. Yeah. He's analyzing every single Mm -hmm. thing. Oh, he's reaching for the thing. I know he's going to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. He, like, jukes them out at the perfect moment, and just everything plays out perfectly. (laughs) Yeah. I had a good time with it though. It was it was pretty. It made me laugh a fair amount. It wasn't the funniest thing in the world by any means. Yeah, but, it's, um, it's, I like the people in it. I don't know. It's one of the dumbest premises for a movie though. Yeah, but it's the kind of dumb I enjoy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like this kind of dumb. Like really, that's the, my favorite kind of comedy. Like Hot Rod, uh, MacGruber, Step Brothers, Step Brothers. Just like really <laughs> dumb, but clever enough that it can actually make you laugh. It's yeah. not just gags. Though there are a lot of gags in this movie. Um, so that was fine. Tag was whatever. And then the third one was uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Which, Travis, you talked about mm. on the last episode. Um, Disappointed? It, yeah. Ultimately? It was good. I mean, yeah. the performances are good. But I said this to Travis. like, Literally the entire movie is in the trailer. Everything you need to know about the movie, there's no surprises. That's why all in the trailer. That's why Chelsea didn't want to see it because she was like, "I think I know what happens." I was like, "Yeah, but I still want to see." Yeah, and you know, there's like fun moments to be had along the way. Like, I really like the relationship between uh, Melissa McCarthy's character and uh, Bill something. Yeah, Uh, her friend that she makes basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was fun. There were some moments that were pretty funny, but uh visually it's pretty standard you know it didn't really appeal to me in that sense it's funny but not that funny it was good performances yeah really good performances melissa mccarthy might be nominated for best actress i don't think she should win over some of the other people we've been talking about but this movie's uh, gotten a lot of good praise though that's why i mainly wanted to see it and a lot of like or not a lot of people but i've seen some people say it's like their favorite or one of their favorites of the year adore it yeah is i don't understand how kind of mind-blowing unless I, you like went in cold or something yeah never saw a trailer <laughs> and even then like it's still pretty predictable yeah. what's gonna happen it's a classic like curmudgeon mm-hmm. learns to soften up and appreciate the people in her life like we've seen that story a million times yeah and that's what this is and that's fine but ultimately kind of disappointing mm-hmm. good but you know it's whatever uh yeah i have two other movies to talk about but travis you can um um yeah so i saw office christmas party <laughs> that movie is terrible Do i heard not watch really it. bad things about it yeah. okay i thought 
Do you remember this time? Office Christmas party? No. This was last year, right? Or the year before? Um, 2016. So that very end of 2016. It's got TJ Miller, Jason Bateman, a couple other familiar faces. Sounds bad. Yeah. But uh, it was awful. I was hoping it would be decent and just something fun to watch around this time of the year. It is not that. <laughs> it's There's really not much plot in the movie, and you don't really care about anything. And most of the movie is just party scenes that may have been fun to film but not fun to watch <laughs> <laughs> it's almost two hours long too which is a sin if you're for a movie like that uh, like bad like fucking to mediocre to comedy <laughs> yeah hmm. uh so yeah avoid that at all costs okay noted and uh i watched jupiter ascending mm. <laughs> there okay. are some uh defenders of that movie I'm are you one not one of them <laughs> Uh, it was pretty bad. I feel like the casting was kind of odd. Like, Seemed odd. Like uh, Mila Kunis, right? That's mm-hmm. her name? Yeah. I remember Eddie Redmayne getting shit on for his His role performance is weird. It's kind of funny in a way, and he feels like he belongs in that universe, but <laughs> it is doesn't. Is he the villain? He's a villain in the movie, but he just has this really like kind of like throwback like he's all in type performance but no one else is doing that in the movie <laughs> so it just feels weird because he like kind of like whisper talks as his you know normal talking thing, yeah delivery. and it comes off as like he's like you know very like powerful and like wise beyond his years <laughs> and stuff and um but yeah it's just kind of a sloppy movie like the action sequences are pretty chaotic and yeah, none of the performances were that great. The story is kind of all over the place. It was like their attempt to make their own, like, like a, another Matrix, but just... God, it looks so maybe stupid. Like more for, like, teenagers. Yeah, sure. Like, the poster is just... Ugh. Visually, it seems like they kind of rehashed Cloud Atlas, like, some of the future... Like the the Korean girl in Cloud Atlas, like her storyline in the future, it seems like aesthetically they kind of ripped that off. Yeah, um, I didn't. I haven't seen Cloud Atlas, but I mean, you haven't seen Cloud Atlas? Uh-uh. I thought. Wait, no, Tom watched it. Tom watched it. Yeah, you don't know the true true. Mm-mm. Speak of the true true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, I don't know, there's maybe some redeeming qualities like just some of the world building and the look of it is kind of cool at times. It's almost just like a, like a bad, like even worse, like fifth element, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that. Sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I wasn't a big fan. And then, um, I also saw green book. Well, I'm going to try and see that this week. I think it, I would say it's kind of similar to Can You Ever Forgive Me as far as like it being pretty predictable and kind of generic, middle of the road. Yeah. The performance movie is getting though. a thumbs down from me when I see the previews. Performances are I good. Love the, I love the trailer. Yeah, but do you want to see the movie? No. Yeah. I just said I'm going to see it this week. No. Nope. There's really. Only because of Vigo and Mahershal. That's, a, that's the only reason why. That's the only really reason. I'll see him in other movie movies. Is <laughs> <laughs> their two performances and just their relationship within the movie. But there's really not that many surprises. It kind of is like the same tone as like the founder or something where it's not too dark, but there's some dark elements to it. But they kind of. You feel like it should be them. darker than it is. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was all right. It, it was good. Just not anything special. 
Well, I've heard the movie's gotten a lot of criticism uh, as far as the way it treats, like, racism. Because it's, like, Viggo Mortensen's character apparently, like, kind of teaches Mahershala's character how to be black. Because he doesn't act the way he thinks a black person should act and you do see some of that in the trailer it's i've there's been some like criticism lobbied at green book because of the way it portrays like is that not part of the like part of the story i just assumed that that would be I mean, like the, oh, italians can't. were the ogs original gangsta <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> teaching the blacks <laughs> oh <laughs> hmm so yeah it's it's so just, you're saying historically yeah <laughs> historically the original game it's accurate sure. <laughs> come on don't all the rappers have the scarface Everyone posters scarface. in there <laughs> yeah he's not italian what the fuck what is that what's scarface have to do with anything just being a gangster like he's not italian <laughs> okay the godfather then yeah i guess <laughs> they're mobsters italian monsters they're in the same ballpark Godfather and Cubans and Italians. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or Colombian, whatever he is. I don't know. Close enough. What is he supposed to be in that movie? I thought he showed up um, in Miami. He came from like Cuba. Cuba? Yeah. Well, no, at the beginning of the movie, he's, or is it the beginning? I don't know. He he probably is Cuban. Al Pacino doesn't look Cuban, though. No. He's overrated. What, Scarface? Yeah. Oh, it's really not that good of a movie. No. No. Um, anything else from you? I can go. I got two things left. Um, I watched Jawbreaker. Have you guys ever heard of this? Which one? The one with came out like two thousand. The only one where they kidnapped the girl or their friend. Which one? The only one. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen that? Uh, I don't know if I've seen all of it, but I've definitely seen bits and pieces back in the day. So uh, I watched this with Haley. She used to love this movie growing up. I think up. it has like somewhat of a cult following. It right? does. Like it does have small... a cult. And I see why. It's uh, it's pretty dark. Essentially, it's it's like Mean Girls before Mean Girls. So it's Rosemary or Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan. Uh, Judy Greer is in it. Um, but basically, the there's these four Mean Girls, popular girls at school, and three of them kidnap their friend as like a birthday prank but they put a jawbreaker in her mouth like gagger and then they throw her in a trunk so then they go to open the trunk and be like surprise it was just a prank she had swallowed the jawbreaker and she died in the trunk of their car Mm -hmm. so the whole movie is them basically trying to cover up this murder and it just escalates from there um some cringy moments but some stuff that was kind of funny and clever uh it's not a great movie by any means but I was kind of struck by how like it, it, the movie goes some places for sure. Um, Does it play into like watching amateurs try and do like some next level cover up shit? Kind of <laughs> like you, they do have some pretty stupid ideas, and you're like, that would never work. And it kind of does work most of the time, you know. Like eventually they get caught, but um, I, don't, I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a fun watch. Uh, I mean, I was always entertained. I wouldn't call it a good movie. By any means. It's no mean girls. No, no mean girls. Um, hmm. And then the last thing I watched, uh, fucking Bride of Chucky. 
That movie is, is, that, is awesome. Is that the one from back in the day? It came out in like 98, I think. Where he has like the girlfriend, Chucky, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, Jennifer Tilly is his yeah. girlfriend. And she gets turned into. Dude, I saw that movie a bunch back it's when I was awesome. younger. <laughs> Bride of Chucky was awesome. There's Isn't good... uh, Jason Ritter in that too? Yeah. Well, no, no. Or, uh, John no, Ritter. No, John Ritter, yeah. Yeah, John Ritter is in it. He plays a cop. Um, he gets owned. <laughs> it was funny. There's some awesome deaths. It's kind of meta. I had never seen a Chucky movie. Like I've seen bits and pieces of Child's is, is Play. Is there a sex scene in that with them? Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> like Team America style. Um, super entertaining. Yeah. It's on Netflix. I think I, I gave it like a three and a half. Didn't they or make or something. a new Chucky not too long ago that was kind of in the same vein as that? Uh, Seed of Chucky. Yeah. That's where they have kids. The, oh. the last one that came out was... <laughs> cult of chucky i think right up your alley tom hell yeah <laughs> seed of chucky so yeah i, I don't know. it made me want to watch the other chucky and child's play movies yeah chucky's pretty fun i don't know yeah people are scared of chucky because the child's play is like borderline good movie i bet it's probably not good but there are people who love child's play uh it made me want to watch that stuff i was a big fan of kind of the tone of yeah the of chucky it was funny graphic entertaining great movie yeah it was yeah one of those like late 90s like just trashy horror comedies <laughs> last last sunday Haley and i decided we just wanted to watch n- movies all day and we watched five movies <laughs> so she picked jawbreaker and bride of chucky i picked uh eternal sunshine and spotless mind and I can't remember what my other pick was, but we ended with No Country for Old Men. Hell yeah. What was that? Was that Chucky? That's from Child's Play. Oh, the first one? Yeah. Um, we picked, or I picked No Country for Old Men. How'd that was the go? fifth of five movies. Uh, not great. Mm. She uh, was not a huge fan. She was zonking? Yeah, and she was burnt out, but we finished it the next day. So we watched the first mm. half. Even then, she, she thought it was boring. What? She thought... Yeah. That movie is riveting. <laughs> I think so too, but I can also see how someone would think it's boring. Yeah. There's well, it no took me music. like three tries to actually finish that movie. <laughs> it takes some time. If you're not immediately captivated by Anton Sugar, which I don't know how, but if you're not, which I don't think she was, yeah. it's going to be pretty fucking slow. I could definitely see if you're not on board with yeah. him and his character. like, um, But that, yeah, that movie still rules. That's all I got. What are you going to wrap this up? Um, oh. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> I watched... Uh, I can talk about Burning for a little bit. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so I thought Burning was pretty awesome. It's a... Um, it's a thriller, I guess you would call it. I love thrillers. But it doesn't really feel like a thriller at first but then it kind of turns into one slow burn very slow burn it's like two and a half hours wow and yeah it's pretty slow it's enough time for a whole porterhouse steak <laughs> but it is very rewarding and it's one of those movies that's very rich in its themes but if you're not really like paying close attention to it they can just go over your head mm-hmm. but um i liked it quite a bit it looks awesome. It has a lot of good moments in it. And the whole movie is basically about just like power and 
how one can be jealous of someone in power and then how one can take advantage of being in power. I feel like this whole year is about like power and identity. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what this, this movie is about too. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything, but cause yeah, the, it, it, there's definitely stuff to spoil in it. Um, but it was definitely worth it. Um, one of the best looking movies of the year. Have I seen a trailer for this anywhere? And maybe maybe rewarding. a Sif. Have you been to a Sif screening at all recently? Mm, no. But yeah, it's essentially about it's. It's kind of has a nocturnal animals vibe to it as well. Oh well, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> Where the main character is an aspiring author, but he doesn't really have much to say, and then he gets involved in this scenario that kind of gives him a story and you can kind of view it in a couple different ways as far as like is what happening on screen actually taking place or is this like in his mind or like is this his way of getting his story like getting involved with the situation um and again i don't want to spoil anything but it yeah it's pretty awesome okay i'm intrigued yeah. I want to try and catch up with this one if I can. How are you going to watch it? Is it it's playing theaters? at the Northwest Film Forum, but only like random days and times. Hmm. I've never been there before. But. Yeah, that was right near where I used to live, but I, I never went. Okay. Yeah, I saw it at Alamo Draft House though in Houston. Yeah. So Porterhouse. <laughs> I didn't get that. <laughs> uh, still my turn. Right. Yeah, I guess you're all done. Yeah. Well, I just remember one thing, but I can go. I can save it for last. Um. Okay, I'll talk about one more thing. Okay. I saw Footloose finally. OG or never remake? seen it. Uh, no, the original. Okay. Hmm. I don't know if I've seen it all the way through. <clears throat> well, the first half's better than the second half, so it might be you might be better off not seeing it all the I way. I think through. I've really only seen the dancing scene. Hmm. John Lithgow is the I don't know, in the woods? Hmm. Well, there's in multiple the dance scenes in the movie, but... Are they all in the woods? No. Okay. So the one in the woods is the one you've seen. Yes. Okay. John Lithgow's the bad guy, right? Or the one who mm. hates dancing, isn't that John Lithgow? Yeah, he's the priest yeah. in, in the town. <laughs> Such a weird premise for a movie where dancing's outlawed. I mean, they, they make a reason for it where it's like... Basically, like, it's sexual so it's prohibited it does lead lascivious to illicit behavior yeah totally but yeah the first half's fun it's just like a high school you know like teenage drama comedy got some fun scenes of kids just you know bumping and grinding on the dance floor uh well yeah that and just like there's like a um a chicken race at one point in the movie and just watching like Kevin Bacon's character get acclimated to the town and stuff is pretty fun because he's like the new cool kid in town, mm-hmm. kind of the outsider, you know. But uh, once it gets into the whole like politics of dancing and like the whole trial of whether it should be allowed or not in the town, I, I kind of checked out. But then it ends on a strong note with the the final dance. But uh, yeah, tight, <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic movie. Oh yeah. So is it gonna be in your? Uh... Your catalog of classics? No, it's no uh, flash dance, that's for sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last thing I wanted to mention real quick. I forgot I watched this, but I binged it. 
uh, Amazon has a new like docu series type thing called Inside Jokes. Mm. And it follows uh, comedians who are trying to get into the Just for Laughs uh, new faces showcase. So Just for Laughs, for those who don't know, is like the biggest comedy festival in the world. It takes place every summer in Montreal. And they do a new faces showcase. And that's where Hannibal Burris got his start. Colin Jost from SNL. Amy Schumer. Dave Chappelle. Like a lot of big, big names in comedy got discovered on this showcase. So it's a big deal. So it's like three comics in New York, four comics in L.A. And it starts like with the callbacks for the auditions. So you see the auditions. You're like, who's going to get in? Who's not? You find out who makes it. Then it follows them to Montreal and you get to see their sets at Just for Laughs. And um, I'm a big comedy nerd. So seeing like the behind the scenes stuff and hanging out with comedians when they're not always trying to be funny, you know, like seeing like them talking about the process and how hard it is to be a comedian. And you get to see like some of the shows they do, they'll perform in a bar to like four people, you know, and you can watch them bomb in some sets. You know what I mean? I found it really interesting and it's like six episodes. Is it good? Is it funny? Yeah. So I I do like, I mean, some of the comics I like more than others, but one of the guys in particular I thought was really funny. Uh, I can't remember his name. Kellen Erskine, I think is his name. He has since gone on to be on like Conan and shit like that. Um, and then Rosebud Baker, she's one of the New York comics. I thought was was really funny. Um, yeah, it's bingeable. Six episodes, half hour, hour? I think they're like 45 minute mm. episodes. Some of them go a little longer because it's a lot of like comedy footage like them performing but um super watchable when's the last time you saw funny people and what are your thoughts on it um the last time i saw it was probably like four or five years ago um i like that movie it's not one of my favorite only seen it once and it was in the theater and i feel like i need to see it again it's it's (laughs) funny i like I know it's really long, though, right? Especially for a comedy. It's not as long as this is 40, but it's like two hours and 15 minutes, probably. Um, It's good. I do like it. It's not one of my favorite Judd Apatow films. It's better than This is 40, that's for sure. But Yeah, This is 40 has some good moments. And it's good, but it's not. It's great. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's it for me. That's it for me. Mm. Tom? Tom? Final (laughs) thoughts? Anything else? (laughs) well i did start um salt fat acid oh i chelsea watched that did she like it yeah it sounded like she liked it quite a bit not into it (laughs) it's no chef's table it's no chef's table that's for sure I don't know what this is. Yeah, you just watch. There's this lady who wrote a book on netflix i knew it was a book yeah and it's just a tv show where she goes around like italy and then some other place and she eats things that are fatty i mean it's kind of interesting because it's like okay so the whole idea is like the flavor of your food starts with the the fat that you choose to use so if you Mm want to do olive oil like it depends on what olive oil you use if you want to use butter it depends on this if you want to add sour cream to a baked potato that's why it becomes so delicious right but um 
But I want more of that and less of her talking to some old Italian woman in Italian and being like, the pesto you make is so good. Yay. Thank you for having me. You know, <laughs> you I don't care about that. lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> no. It's not that interesting. Watching her do her thing and like taste the foods and pick the olives and stuff is not that interesting. Like, yeah, but anyone who gets to go do that kind of stuff for a living. Pretty, oh, sure. Pretty cool. Dope. That would be pretty awesome. cool. Well, she wrote one book. And she'll get to do it for a little while. We'll see what she's doing in five years. She's no Guy Fieri. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, you you guys know what I'm saying. It's just like that. Yeah. It's not that fun to watch her do her thing. She's not like. No, I get it. She's not Anthony Bourdain. You know, I could watch that guy for hours. You're more interested in the the food science than her personality. Exactly. You get more of with Chef's Table because, like, they're like, here's my craft. And a lot of them are just really interesting people. Yeah. Um. Or, like, I even liked Cooked probably a little bit more. Mm. Uh, actually, Cooked was kind of the same thing. I wasn't that... I was I was mixed on it. Some of it's good. Some of it's, some of it's boring. But it All did right. make me hungry, <laughs> which I am right now. <laughs> so... Well, that's as good a place as any to stop. Uh, so we can yeah. all get out there and get some food. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, next time we reconvene... Um, we're going to be doing Roma, which actually came out on Netflix the Friday. We're recording yeah. on a Sunday. It went up on Netflix Friday, but Travis and I have tickets to see it uh, on the big screen. I'm going to see Huge. it on the small screen. Cinerama. That's yeah. fucked. You're fucked, Tom. It's for sure going to happen. <laughs> Netflix screen. at home? Yeah. So Roma, for sure. Uh, we're going to be talking about that. Uh, Aquaman and Bumblebee both come out next weekend. Bumblebee is currently sitting at ninety eight percent on Rotten is Tomatoes. Bonkers. What about hype train? What about Agua? Choo choo. Agua man. Agua man. Seventy uh, percent. I've heard good things about it. I've heard the script is bad, but it's a lot of fun. It looks cool. I don't know. Some of it, it doesn't looks cool. look. Cool. Some of it looks. Cool. I'll watch it. Some of the visuals. Yeah, I can't. Um, it looks cool. So when do we record? New Year's weekend? I guess that would be, yeah. And Well, New Year's is on like a Tuesday, so it yeah, would be... The weekend before. Yeah. There's also Mary Poppins, too. Ooh. And If Beale Street Could Talk. I don't know when that's opening here, but... <laughs> We're going to have to see what happens, but Roma, at the at, at least, for yes. sure. And then probably one other, for sure, and then we'll, we'll see. I'm going to see a ton of shit, so it's up to you guys what we record. <laughs> um... So yeah, we'll have we'll have some stuff, and then probably after that, the best of uh, 2018 episode. Mm-hmm. That should be 53. Start binging those 2018. You checking your list yeah. twice right now, Travis? Oh yeah, <laughs> gotta play some catch up. I do actually. I haven't seen Mandy. I haven't seen. Yeah, we, we have to try and make a a, a a play date for that. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, please leave us a review or a rating on iTunes. It helps our visibility. Follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Digest. Like our Facebook page. Subscribe to the feed. All that normal stuff. Donate. Yeah, do something. Yeah, my PayPal account is uh, at. <laughs> um, yeah. Want to thank everybody a, a for Christmas listening. present to us, and have a very merry Christmas, happy holidays, everyone. We whatever, wish you whatever your poison is. Enjoy it. Yellow snow for me. <laughs> <That's my favorite laughs> kind. All right, we will return. Thank you. I wanna get.
Christmas. Only a hippopotamus will do. Don't want a doll, no dinky tinker toy. I want a hippopotamus to play with and enjoy. <laughs>